It's Monday, October 30th. I'm Trayvale Anderson. And I'm Josie Duffy Rice, and this is What a Day. On today's show, Hollywood is mourning the loss of an iconic sitcom star, plus former Vice President Mike Pence has dropped out of the 2024 presidential race. But first, the latest on the war in Gaza. In a Saturday night address to his country, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said that a second stage of the war against Hamas has begun, this one including the sending of ground forces into Gaza and expanding other attacks from the ground, air, and sea. Now, it's important to note that this is not the all-out escalation that we've been anticipating for a couple weeks now, or at least that's not what they're calling it. Netanyahu said, quote, there are moments in which a nation faces two possibilities to do or die. We now face that test, and I have no doubt how it will end. We will be the victors. Reports say this is a hint at their strategy pivoting to a plan of staged escalation as opposed to a singular massive offensive, which, according to the Washington Post, is perhaps a reflection of the Biden administration's influence. Nonetheless, the Israeli strikes from this stage of the conflict knocked out most of the communications in Gaza over the weekend, meaning the territory of some 2.3 million people was in a literal near total comms blackout. No internet, no cell phone service, no way to get information about or share what they were living through, no way to contact loved ones, literally nothing. That was until they started restoring communications with connectivity being just between 50 and 80 percent of the pre-blackout levels by Sunday afternoon. I think it's so hard for anyone here to imagine like what it must be like to be going through something like this and having your entire area mm-hmm. not be able to communicate. What has this latest escalation meant for humanitarian efforts? Like, how is it impacting them? Mm-hmm. What is it doing? As can be expected, it has only exacerbated what was already a dire situation. Aid workers have been saying for weeks that more resources are needed to meet the demand and scale of trauma that folks are going through. And while more trucks carrying support are continually being allowed into the area, another three dozen trucks entered on Sunday carrying water, food, and medicine, it simply isn't enough. And despite urging from the U.S., from the United Nations, and various other groups, Israel is still only letting a small trickle of resources in this one border crossing from Egypt. Well over a million people have been displaced from their homes in Gaza. The number of Palestinians killed has passed 8,000. The number of killings on the Israeli side is over 1,400 people. Both of those numbers are unprecedented. And the conditions on the ground are so dire that thousands have been forced to raid aid warehouses. The UN Relief Agency for Palestinians, or UNWRA, said that their second largest depot, which holds most of the humanitarian aid delivered by the UN, was targeted over the weekend. People took flour, they took wheat, they took hygiene kits. One resident simply told the BBC, quote, Our houses were destroyed. No one cares about us. We needed aid, and we wouldn't have done this if we weren't in need. And as a spokesperson for the World Food Program said, quote, the bottom line is that people are desperate. They are hungry. Things are still pretty bad and still getting worse, it sounds like. Yeah. And this weekend, we saw kind of the international response to that, right? Because we saw protests across the world from people calling for a ceasefire in Gaza and cities such as London, Istanbul, New York, Baghdad, Toronto, Paris, and Rome, I mean, really all over the world, people were coming together to call for an end 
to this escalation that's happening in Gaza right now? Yeah, a lot of the videos and social media posts over the weekend really illustrate how widespread this issue in the calls for a ceasefire have become. But let's start with the U.S. What did we see here in America? Yeah, a remarkable number of people took to the streets and cities across the country. L.A., Chicago, Atlanta, San Francisco, and other cities. I think it's worth noting, like, these are people who believe in a wide variety of potential futures for the mm-hmm. region, but everybody believes that reducing the escalation is of utmost importance right now to save lives, right? So here's audio of protesters in LA chanting. So if you can't tell what they're saying, they're yelling ceasefire now. In New York, hundreds of protesters were arrested at Grand Central Station after a demonstration calling for a ceasefire led by the Jewish community crowded the station. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of it, but it's pretty remarkable. It's packed full of protesters, Mm -hmm. many of them Jewish Americans who are also calling for a ceasefire. Tensions are high right now, but it seems like for the most part, these protests stayed very peaceful Though they weren't always convenient, in San Francisco, protests briefly shut down Highway 101 after 15,000 protesters took to the streets in that city. And in New York, protesters shut down part of the Brooklyn Bridge for a brief period. As is the nature with protesting, sometimes it is not convenient, Mm -hmm. but it did seem to stay pretty peaceful. Yeah. What about outside of the U.S.? How's the international community responding? Yeah, everywhere from Asia to Africa to Europe has seen protests in London. An estimated 100,000 people took to the streets, which is really just a remarkable number of people. We saw protests in Cape Town, Toronto, Paris, all over the world, really. And this is particularly notable given that there's been a lot of backlash against people who express any support of Palestine or a Palestinian people or call for a ceasefire. And I'm not talking about like supporting Hamas, right? I'm talking about just like Mm -hmm. any kind of criticism of the Israeli government or the escalation that's happening right now. You may remember that in the past few weeks, people have lost jobs. They've been doxxed. And in France, pro-Palestinian rallies were even briefly banned. But even there, people took to the streets in Paris to call for a ceasefire. So the pushback has increased. Right. And what about the response from the leaders Mm. of these people, the elected officials? What are they saying? They're a little less vocal about a ceasefire. In fact, they aren't mostly supporting a ceasefire at all. Currently, the only European leader calling for one is the Spanish prime minister. Meanwhile, on Friday, the UN passed a non-binding resolution calling for a humanitarian, quote-unquote, truce. Though, of course, it is non-binding. It's not like a real UN resolution. And whatever truce means here is kind of inspecific and Mm -hmm. general. It's also worth noting that, unsurprisingly, the U.S. did not vote for that non-binding resolution. And in fact, the U.S. has explicitly rejected calls for a ceasefire. But I would say that the protests do seem to be doing something. Like, we've seen President Biden temper his language a bit and at least say that Israel should attempt to minimize civilian casualties. And so it does seem to be doing something. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of largely like younger, democratic, progressive folks noting how Biden's response to all of this will likely affect their, you know, voting decisions that they will be making in a year in 2024. Um, And so I wonder how kind of that sentiment that seems to be so ever present on my timelines, at least, you know, might be impacting that tempering that you say President Biden is now doing around his language. It seems pretty clear to me that this is going to be an issue for the 
election mm-hmm. and going to take some real navigating on the part of Biden and other American politicians and other politicians across the world. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we will keep reporting on this conflict in the push to end it, but that is the latest for now. We will be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Carryuma. Here on WAD, Carryuma is our go-to sneakers because they're really comfortable, they go with everything, and they're made with consciously sourced materials. We have told y'all time and time again about these Carryuma sneakers. You need to go ahead and get you one so you can be part of the cool people, okay? Yeah, seriously, we have a collection, mm-hmm. I feel, a growing collection, <laughs> and you should too. They're very versatile. They come in a lot of different colors. You never know what you're going to need, so you might as well have a full arsenal at your disposal. Last year, we collaborated with Karayuma to create No Steps Back sneakers, and now they have designed a second limited edition collaboration with us, the Love It or Leave It sneaker. These shoes have a colorful design with lots of little Easter eggs. I mean, not Taylor Swift level Easter eggs, just fun stuff like Pundit on a surfboard. Love Pundit. She's an angel. Plus, a portion of the proceeds from every pair sold is donated to VSA's Every Last Vote Fund. You know, it's not a what a day pair of sneakers, but I will take it. If anyone's going to get a pair of sneakers aside from us, love it. Sure, we'll take it. (laughs) If you want a pair for yourself or the Love It fan in your life, make sure to snag one right now. They make the perfect gift for the holiday season with free returns. Just head to crooked.com slash store. What a day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S., with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love Fast Growing Trees here I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. What a day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. Now let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. The manhunt for the suspected gunman behind last week's mass shootings in Maine ended Friday evening. Police say they found the suspect's body near a recycling plant not far from the city of Lewiston, where 18 people were killed and 13 others were hurt in a pair of shootings last Wednesday. There are now questions about how law enforcement agencies responded to what appears to have been many red flags about the suspect. 
According to the Associated Press, U.S. Army officials alerted police in Maine that the suspect, who was an Army reservist, made veiled threats against his base and other soldiers as recently as September. Investigators have also acknowledged that the suspect had a history of mental illness, which also highlights the weaknesses of the state's so-called yellow flag gun control law. It allows the law enforcement agencies to take away someone's access to firearms if they are a danger to themselves or others, but it requires police to arrest a person first, then have a mental health provider evaluate them before they can ask a judge to issue that order. It's not clear if that process was ever initiated for the suspect in the Lewiston shootings. Tributes are pouring in following the sudden death of actor Matthew Perry, who was found dead Saturday at his Los Angeles home. He was 54 years old. Perry got his start in show business as a child actor, but his big break came in 1994 when he landed the role of Chandler Bing in Friends. But in his memoir published last year, Perry admitted that his rise to stardom came at a huge cost. He candidly recounted his long struggle with addiction and the serious health issues it brought, including a five-month stay in the hospital in 2018. Here's what he told ABC's Diane Sawyer shortly after his memoir came out. Your disease is just outside, just doing one-arm push-ups, just waiting, just waiting for you, waiting to get you alone. Because alone, you lose to the disease. And now I finally feel okay and feel like I've got some strength. It's devastating. According to the LA County Medical Examiner's Office, an autopsy into Perry's cause of death is currently pending. Though it could take several weeks to complete, law enforcement officials have told multiple news outlets that no foul play is suspected. The United Auto Workers Union said Saturday it has come to a tentative agreement with Stellantis, the company that makes Dodge, Ram, and Chrysler vehicles. Union leaders have called this deal a major victory for workers because it will restart work at an Illinois plant that was closed in February, restoring about 1,200 jobs. It also gives UAW members at the company a 25% pay boost over the next four and a half years, along with cost of living adjustments similar to the tentative deal that the UAW reached with Ford last week. This means that nearly 15,000 striking UAW workers at Stellantis will be back on the job soon. Union leadership will give the green light for members to vote on whether to ratify the deal later this week. All of this means that General Motors is now the last holdout, but it's unclear when the biggest of the big three automakers will reach an agreement with the union. The UAW expanded its strike against the company over the weekend, with nearly 4,000 union workers walking off the job at a another GM plant in Tennessee. And finally, the clown car of Republican presidential candidates just got a little roomier. Former U.S. Vice President Mike Pence has ended his 2024 presidential campaign. Here is Pence making the announcement on Saturday at the annual Republican Jewish Coalition Summit in Las Vegas. Traveling across the country over the past six months, I came here to say it's become clear to me, this is not my time. Yeah, apparently people gasped. When he said that, which they seem to not be watching the same news I'm watching. But, you know, Pence is the highest profile candidate to drop out of the Republican race, which is still being dominated by his former boss, Donald Trump. And he failed to gain traction since he announced his bid back in June. According to new filings, his campaign wrapped up the month of September with a little over a million dollars left to work with. And he was pulling in the single digits, which meant that he was struggling to qualify for the third GOP presidential debate next week in Miami. Meanwhile, Trump said that Pence should now endorse his re-election bid. Mm-mm. Now, that is truly hilarious. <laughs> that is what he told supporters during a campaign rally he held on Saturday, which coincidentally was also in Vegas. Kind of bold for someone who egged on chance of hanging Mike Pence during the January 6th insurrection to ask for the endorsement of Mike Pence. 
But hey, you know, I guess the worst Mike Pence could say is no. Or perhaps the worst he could say is actually yes. And then we have yep. a whole nother pile of foolishness to deal with. That's correct. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's actually probably what will happen. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe Mike Pence doesn't just go mm-hmm. with the GOP crowd on this one. That's what they all do, right? That's what they all do. They sign their life over in blood and they do whatever they have to do against their own best interests or the best interests of the American people time and time again. Absolutely. So here we are. Here we are. And those are the headlines. One more thing before we go. Spooky season is here and the Crooked Store has a new tea that's perfect for horror fans. And at this point, if you like following Supreme Court news, you are also included in that group. It's inspired by the iconic Jaws movie poster, except our version says, we're going to need a bigger court. I love it. (laughs) Oh, perfect nerd slash horror humor. I'm not saying anybody listening is a nerd. I'm just saying I'm a nerd. Check it out at cricket.com slash store. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends to listen. What a Day is also a nightly newsletter, so check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. And I'm Travel Anderson. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Our show's producer is Itzi Quintanilla. Raven Yamamoto and Natalie Bettendorf are our associate producers. And our senior producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. <laughs>